if anything, you need some robot friends to help keep your sanity because that is what we're talking about today because we're talking about Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh. Welcome to The Lore You Know. This is a podcast where three people chosen at random from the world get together and talk about your favorite lore from movies, video games, and sometimes TV shows that are about watching other movies. So that'll be a new one. Anyway, <laughs> I How am, innovative. I am coming at you live, pre-recorded. It is me, CJ. And I'm Ethan. And I am back filling in. For the role of girl, my name is Liz. Lizard X Lizard, famous internet person. Not really, but thank Master you. Master <laughs> of the lore of today's topic, the mystery science theater. Master of many things, including like Scooby-Doo, mm -hmm. Warrior Cats. Mm -hmm. And then I was on here also not as the lore master to talk about things like Fire Emblem, that's true. Sonic the Hedgehog comics. Mm -hmm. Well, that's just a very because. wide variety <laughs> yeah. of things that you wouldn't meet yes. many people who know that much about those things. And if you right. did, <laughs> you would not want to speak to them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and now having been in on those episodes, you have become a master of those those lores. True. Yes, exactly. You're you're the poster child for what this show can do for you and how many people <laughs> You will push away in the process. <laughs> if you continue to lis listening to episodes of the lore you know, you could turn out just like me. Abundance Ooh. of knowledge on niche topics that don't matter. That would be great. You could also, it's like a 50-50, you could also turn into me, an old, jaded hermit man who just looks at everything and says, what is the lore here? And they're like, sir, this is a Target. You're buying Kleenex. And I go, yes, but why is it called Kleenex and not facial tissues? I do like the idea of going to Target and reading like nutrition facts and being like, this has lore. <laughs> all right, new, new product. We're opening a merch store. It's all food with mysterious lore. It's going to be really hard the, to pass the oh, FDA. We, oh my but... gosh, you know what? You know what food product? Quote, quotation marks around product did have uh well quotation marks around food as well but remember the pink sauce yeah thing? i was just thinking that, about the pink sauce that, that had that the made up nutrition too. facts that had lore now she was ahead of her time yeah and yeah that that turned out great and everyone was <laughs> and everyone was happy and nothing was wrong with that situation ethan do you want to learn about this tv show made in like uh, a shoestring budget in the middle of of minnesota CJ, I feel like I just did a little bit. What a bit. great Tell way to more. start. That could not captivate anyone more. <laughs> I mean, it captivated a whole generation of people. Did you know, Ethan, that this that this show has lore? You know? I, not did particularly. You know? Do you know the lore? The lore you, you know? know? Ethan, yeah. did you know? Uh, I only saw a few episodes of Mystery Science Theater back in the day, and it was not 
a thing I expected to see on this show. Yeah, because when you first look at it, you think to yourself, surely there is no lore here. But Lizzie and I have been watching pretty much only this for like <laughs> a long time. I mean, it's there's hundreds of episodes. I will right? say about this show, when you look at it and your first instinct is, this is a show that does not have lore because it's just kind of a bit. Right. That's basically true. Well, it, it's like <laughs> they'll just like talk about stuff and then you kind of assume, oh, they're just making things up. So I mean, they're it, being I, silly. And sometimes they are. But also there is lore to this universe. It's like whenever thing. you make a joke that becomes canonical to your life, actually, that's right. how this show works. Like when I told people Ro I was a okay. podcaster and then I had to <laughs> retroactively make a podcast to make that yeah, a reality. Yeah. I agreed to like one episode, and then he just kept. I, I gotta, I gotta prove it to him. We need, we need fifty. We need also, 50. We're also there. in defense of this show, I, I would say, probably most people who enjoy this show also don't really follow any sort of plot with it either. Yeah. Sure. So <laughs> unless I they're really into it. Yeah, I love this show. Um, growing up, because I'm yeah. a comedy person who likes to do commentary stuff um and i did not know that there was lore to this show i just thought it was a bunch of silly robots talking about silly silly things and it know. is I yeah mean, so how much of this show is like intentional lore that they set up on purpose and how much of it is like they did a joke about a thing and then people loved it so much they're like yeah that's actually for real uh, some of that definitely pretty hard to differentiate, yeah. honestly. <laughs> there was so we'll we'll talk a we'll talk about a couple was, of those examples as we go. I was going to say definitely times when it's like it definitely seems like they just did a joke and they're like, all right, we're just going to keep that as a, a canon thing for the rest of the show. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, Mystery Science Theater three thousand, also known by MST three K, uh, is a it's a riff show. Um, so another very famous format of this is like riff tracks, although that is just audio that you listen to at the same time as you, you watch a movie. But the idea is, you know, you're, it's what you do with your friends when you're watching a movie and you're making your own jokes over the top of it, except the show is just that. And specifically on the show, they play very bad movies mm -hmm. and it really appealed to people like CJ and I who love to just sit and talk through movies with our friends, which right. I'm sure all our friends really like. Right. Especially when you're trying to like one up each other for jokes. Yes. And then the whole movie just becomes not about that at all. If it's a movie you like, I could see that being annoying. But in these cases, <laughs> it's the movies are so exceptionally bad that it basically requires someone making jokes over the top of them to be watchable. And that's a really great way to, to watch a lot of movies uh, that came out. A lot of them are older and just not very good movies in general. Honestly, but some of the movies are newer and you know, they're still making bad movies. Newer seasons. They do some newer masterpieces. However, I would like to say mystery science theater 3000, um, plays a very important role in media history because you know there's always the type of person about many different subjects which who will be like wow well movies back in the day were so much better than they are today <laughs> like movies were so they were 
perfect. They're at their peak in, you know, whatever time, decade this person's talking about. And mm-hmm. Mystery Science Theater 3000 really proves that uh, the movies those people are probably thinking of, it's just survivorship bias because there have been a lot of just really horrible, awful things people have made in every century. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's actually not that hard to make a movie, and a lot of people have been doing it. And you know, just look at the horrible things uploaded to Amazon, which because apparently it's very easy to upload a movie you made to Amazon. Oh, I so want to make a movie and oh, post it up yeah. to Amazon. Uh, get us to five hundred. Li- do we do likes? Get us five hundred poop emojis, and we will uh, make our own movie and upload it on Amazon. So the format of the show is is pretty much the same every show. You have uh, an introductory segment, and then they will go in and watch the movie, and that's where you get the famous shot of, it's like empty theater seats, except for the three of their silhouettes over the movie the whole time. And the three of them are watching the movie and making jokes over it and then every once in a while they'll cut away to a couple of the host segments in the middle and that is where our lore will lie for this episode it's also a very uh it's it's an immersive show in a way and it encourages you to be immersed in it because a lot of the i would say not every season does this actually but some seasons start the episode with um turn your lights down where applicable yeah like they want you to be in the theater with them yeah sure it's it's a really cute show and it's a really cozy show probably some of the reasons that lizzie and i vibe with it so much is because a lot of the a lot of the humor but also just a lot of a, a lot of the mannerisms of the hosts are very midwestern because this is a show one sure. of the few shows made in the midwest um they do a lot of wisconsin jokes uh, for pretty it's much kind of endless for pretty much no reason other than because they think Wisconsin jokes are funny, I guess. Basically, everyone, I'm like, there's no way anyone outside of the Midwest finds this joke funny. <laughs> they definitely, they definitely. I mean, that's the other thing is they do so many jokes during the show that like not all of them are, will like land necessarily, and some of them are really specific. I mean, they'll do such niche things, right? Like they'll right. talk about like the university of wisconsin madison in like for a joke or they'll talk about like wow this was must have been filmed in green bay yeah so <laughs> they'll talk about cheese heads or whatever so pretty specific things like that that add a charm if you do know but if you don't know i actually i would like to hear from the perspective of people who are not from the midwest watching that show what they feel about those references are you telling them to tweet at Spices With at the soon-to-be-defunct Twitter and also maybe go to YouTube <laughs> Maybe instead? we'll find another way. Maybe comment on mm-hmm. YouTube what you yeah, think. Please, I like please that. use one of your 300 daily views to check in on we our Twitter. We can't talk about how bad Twitter is every episode. <laughs> I don't have a little evolving. Bit of, I don't Listen, have the bandwidth to care. We, we can make fun of Twitter a little bit as a treat, okay? Right. Well, speaking of making fun of things as a treat, uh, let, let's talk about the, the format of the show. Um, so generally speaking, uh, there is a single host, and then that host is accompanied by a, uh, a subgroup of robots that, are, um, that all kind of serve different functions 
the host tends to just uh, do most of the show with two other robots, and then there's also just a bunch of them in the background. And all the robots are like puppeteered, so they're all um, they're all like live action puppets. It's practical under the effects, baby. It's very good, and it's all very like it's made. It is both made to look like the low budget movies they're making fun of, but it also just is just like is a low, low budget, budget situation so they right. do a lot of it's... like paper craft things to like make stuff which looks really cute like now in this age it's very charming to see like real things that are made like scale models or whatever instead of just like a cgi of something the thing about mm-hmm. it is that when you see uh props that are clearly all sometimes meticulously handmade it adds this layer of like you know how much like love went into creating these things for the show which i yeah. guess just to me when I, that's what i think anytime i see practical effects in something that i'm like this took so much time to hand make this item for this movie right. and i think that's yeah. way cooler than cgi in a lot of ways yeah for sure well i mean it it goes very well with the whole like meta thing of it, right. which I was also enjoying earlier. I was thinking, so the the premise of the show is the guy has no friends, so he makes robots to watch movies with him. Right. But you, the audience, have no friends and are watching him watch with friends, yeah. so you may also pretend. The show takes place on a spacecraft known as the Satellite of Love. Um, as much as we looked into why it's called that, there doesn't <laughs> seem to be any specific reason why it is called the Satellite of Love. Uh, but that is where they filmed the show. And they... I said I said that it could be a joke that the abbreviation is SOL. Right. Because they're shit out of like luck because they're luck. stuck on the Satellite of Love. But uh-huh. I think that's probably not true and just a happy coincidence. We have yeah. no... I mean, Again, it could... With how many like inside jokes they have, even that they tell to you, I assume a it lot of these are just inside jokes true. to uh-huh. the cast. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's you know it could be the same kind of thing also with like how we we make fun of our single friend for having the the sex loft where he has never once <laughs> held anyone in his arms. Right. But that's just sort of ironic. <laughs> but in this case, I don't know why. It's just a satellite of love. Yeah. It's just a satellite of love. Mm-hmm. So the satellite of love is a creation made by the evil Dr. Clayton Forrester. Uh, He is a mad scientist, and he works for a large corporation called the Gizmonic Institute. And it is his desire to use his mad scientist ways to take over the world. So pretty basic plot so far. So Dr. Forrester teams up with another mad scientist named Dr. Earhart, And the two of them uh, collaborate using the resources of the Gizmonic Institute, create the Satellite of Love, which is the place that they are going to run their experiment. The experiment's name is the Mystery Science Theater 3000. So the name of the show is the name of this evil experiment Experiment. that these evil doctors are doing. Okay. We're following along so far? Yes. So their plan is to take over the world by finding a movie that is so cheesy and unwatchable that it would drive the viewer insane. It would break the human spirit. Thus allowing them to take over the world. Okay. And, pretty and, pretty uh, 
smart move. Right. Because uh, have you seen a bad movie? Right. Yeah. It, it makes Again, you this lose is... all desire to fight back against fascism, which is why <laughs> exactly. they keep making so many. Which is <laughs> right. very good yeah, we point. Were, oh, no. We were just talking earlier about how... Uh, the rich see sci-fi dystopias and they're like, hmm, I should learn from this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really, that we should keep Mystery Science Theater 3000 as, I guess I would still call it a, a cult favorite type of thing, that we should keep mm-hmm. it that way so that no one is like, actually, that's a good idea to try. <laughs> yeah, we need people Disney's making Keep us away there. from Disney. <laughs> we need no, people making fun of things or else the world goes to shit. That's what I tell myself to rationalize my behavior like this. Uh, They decide that they need a test subject for this experiment. And so they take one of the janitors at the Gizmonic Institute, who's named Joel, and they put him into a rocket ship and they send him to the satellite of love. Which is in space. Yeah, which is in space. They are going to do their experiment and show all of these bad movies to him, but Joel is a bit of an inventor. And so he is able to use some of the parts in the Satellite of Love in order to create his robot friends. And as the intro song states, he uses these robot friends to help him keep his sanity for these experiments where they are basically trying to torture him with bad movies. But because he has his robot pals there and they're all making fun of him, he is able to keep his sanity. Sustain himself. This is this is absolutely one of those things that is like, ah, funny premise 30 years ago, and nowadays feels like bleak commentary. <laughs> um, so the... Well, we didn't mention that the satellite of love is inexplicably shaped like a bone. Yeah. Like a cartoon bone. Like a cartoon bone uh-huh. that you Does that change dog. anything? The be- uh, Yeah, it's all better now. <laughs> the best reason we could come up for this they don't ever say in the show why the satellite of love looks like that um but it does always look like that in like pretty much every iteration they have and the best we could come up with is that in the first season they do this bit where a bunch of space dogs attack them and then they're like why are we getting attacked by space dogs and then there's the reveal that the the satellite they're on just looks like a giant dog bone and so all of the dogs are like worshiping it like it's a an artifact of of god and like <laughs> and then they just that's just the shape of the ship now like that's so just kind of how guess this works that's just the that just came from a bit. So what we were talking about before about separating, like just making a joke and the actual plot, it gets a little muddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's fun. It's cute. Um, the the satellite of love is. Um, oh, okay. So the this is some this is some actual like deep lore that probably even if you do like mystery science theater, you do not know. Um, originally, Joe. So it's just some background on Joel. He's the show creator, but he's also um, like the the star of the show for the first few seasons. Um, He was like a prop comic who was working in the Twin Cities. And so they were like, hey, do you want to make a show? We're going to make a show that will like utilize your prop comedy. And he was like, yeah, that's great. So that's like the reason there's so much like props, like, gags and stuff like that with props is because he just is a prop comic and like that's the reason why but 
If you want the in-universe reason why, it's because Joel is a, he's like a tinkerer. He's an inventor who just happened to be a janitor at this big corporation. Well, the thing about, this is also canon to the lore, that Gizmonic Institute, everyone who works there, down to the janitors, are inventors. Right. It's, and it's, it's, it's just like the part of their culture. Company. Yeah. <laughs> so when Joel gets sent up to the Satellite of Love, um, in the initial pilot episodes, he makes his robot companions, um, and some of them are familiar, but in the uh, original version of the show, he just had his one companion that he like watched the movies with, and that was Crow T-Robot. Um, Crow is... I'm pretty sure his head is constructed with like a, a lacrosse net or something like that. I think so. Um, he's he's spray painted gold. If you are familiar with the show, you are quite familiar with Crow as he is one of the staple characters okay. and has been since the first episode. Um, and then in the original version, they also had another robot called Beeper um, who was a kind of tin can looking robot who could only communicate with beeps and whistles a la r2d2 um and for some reason they scrapped that from the original pitch of the show and instead created a new robot that would be more long-running named servo and servo is canonically made up of all of the uh, is made up a bunch of the parts from beeper which is why they share a lot of similar uh similar look especially in the first seasons um but yeah beeper was just like a robot that beeps that only crow could understand which was probably a funny idea for like 10 minutes and then they're like wait we can't do wait this a for minute. a whole show this actually <laughs> this is a show about riffing on movies which right. you need to talk for um so i i'm assuming it was a real like c3po r2 thing but sure yeah um the other main robot that made an appearance in the original version um you're not supposed to say this anymore this is a bad word we'll use it because that's what she's called for most of the show but their robot is named gypsy and she is like also part of the ship she kind of runs the ship um in the original version uh i i guess it was a running joke for a while that they were trying to figure out if gypsy was a boy or a girl um, because they didn't know, and all that Gypsy could say were like Tyrannosaurus Rex growling sounds, which was very strange. I uh, saw a clip of it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" It, it was very scary. She's like, "It's <laughs> 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 like uh, they really had great ideas for this beginning of the show yeah. that uh, they realized quickly. Wait a minute." And so by so this this is all known as season zero. This is the version of the show that aired on like local Minnesota television. Mm -hmm. um, and so by the time we get to season one, we are kind of at uh, the the format that more people are familiar with. So we have Crow and Servo, and those two Tom are Tom Servo. Well, yeah. So by the time they get to like I think it's at some point in season one. Um, Joel decides that he is going to send Servo through robot puberty so he can grow up a little bit because I guess he was a little too immature. Um, and so when he did that, 
then Servo decided that he wanted to have a more adult-sounding name, so he decided that he wanted to have the name Tom Servo, and that is the name that he has for the rest of the series. So we have Joel, Crow, and Tom Servo as our three our three main riffers, and then we have Gypsy, who is in charge of the ship and is uh, kind of is just like a two big plastic buckets put together to make a big moving mouth. <laughs> And okay. she is attached to the ship via a bunch of piping. She um, reminds me of like a like construction claw. Yeah. To like scoop things like out, but then um, attached to like a vacuum cleaner tube. Yeah. If I had not seen this as a kid, I would say that you two are just <laughs> insane and are just saying crazy fever dream things. And then there's, of course, the most important robot, which is Cambot. And Cambot is how... Rarely seen. Yes. Uh, because Cambot it's is the camera. the camera. And it is how we interact to, through this world. And in the universe, so... Joel is talking to the mad scientists who are referred to as the mads as the show goes on. And they they talk to each other through Cambot. Um, it, it's kind of implied that Cambot has like a screen on him that they can like use as a monitor, but is also a camcorder that videotapes. I think it's kind of cute because uh, it's like the audience's Cambot in right. a way because they always are tr talking directly to the camera when they're speaking okay. to like the mads, but they're implied to be on the other side of the camera right. and they'll show us that perspective as well. So they are, and yeah, they are in effect talking to us. And so, so Cambot is watching them in like in the in-between parts. Is Cambot also what we're supposed to consider when we're like watching the theater and yeah. we see the little like black. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. Cambot so, is the camera right. in the show. Sure. So, so the mads are just sitting there watching their test subject like riff on movies right. with his yes. two little robots they made. It's like, well, it, it doesn't <sighs> seem to be driving him insane, but it is pretty funny. So I guess they... we'll keep doing it. So one of the, one of the things that they reference to at some point is the, uh, the experiment data. Um, so they're doing this for their mad experiment. It, it is, it's heavily implied that the episode that you're watching is the experiment data that they're collecting for their, for their, their research um because sure. at one point i think they said that they uh they like sell the the sometimes if they need to make some money they'll sell the experiment data to people which is implying that they are selling the tv shows to a tv station for money it's more than implied because the episode titles are experiment number right blah 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 <laughs> so yeah so it is it is basically exactly that like they are so we're watching their experiment right on tv and you with us yeah you got it <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean that's that's just how how real capitalism <laughs> works is like duh, how many how many they of do, those things they lean were into like... real capitalism later as the villain <laughs> right sure the only other like main thing that we can set up for kind of the rest of the show here is like lizzie said the uh, the entirety of the Gizmonic Institute has this weird, I guess, company culture, but they also have these quote-unquote rituals that they all kind of just adhere to. So even though the mad scientists are like evil and trapped Joel on the satellite of love, 
Uh, they do this thing that whenever they greet each other, which would be at the start of the episode, they participate in what's known as the Invention Exchange, which is a ritual that is fostered at the Gizmonic Institute that um, basically you bring an invention to show the other person um, <laughs> so that you can show them how innovative you are. And uh, in, in the show... The, the evil doctors are using this as an opportunity to try and steal any good ideas that Joel might have so that they can sell them for money. Obviously, this all goes back to Joel starting the show with right. uh, prop comedy. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Was... Yeah. He's just, he's, hey, guys, I got a good, uh, funny thing I made out of tin cans the other day. Yeah, so I mean, like, like they put they're it on the like show. The weirdest, stupidest things. Right. If you they're watch all just the gags. They're, yeah. They're gags. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, it's. As it is functionally that the predecessor to that guy who does the TikToks of uh, here's my dumb inventions oh. that don't oh, do yeah. useless things. Yeah, it is very much like that, um, except I like these better because they're shorter. And <laughs> One we saw today yeah. was literally just TikTok guy. It was literally just a bubble fan. Like he took a fan with holes in it and dipped it in. Yeah, like a geisha fan. In bubbles and just went like this. And, and he was like, it, Woo! And made bubbles. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the one the one I saw recently that stood out is he, you know, those like little like party blowers where it's the little rolled up paper and then you like blow it out. Um, yeah. He had that, but it was he said, this is what I used when I was a child, but now I'm a man. And so he had like a leaf blower and then he put like a big one on the end of that. And then he just it's just unfurled. It's not like making any noise yeah. or anything. Yeah. And like that was it. Like that was, Sometimes... the whole, that was the whole bit. <laughs> Sometimes they're literally just like things that are supposed to be funny already because I definitely recall an episode where they just had their invention was like goggles or goggles uh glasses that have like the eyes that pop out on springs yeah and they were like <laughs> whenever you see something crazy wow wow <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's just he he worked alongside carrot top at the science yeah, institution it, it is very it's it's very much that vibe um so the show's all open with these uh invention exchange so now if you watch the show and you wonder why they do the invention exchanges, you now know the real reason and the in-universe in reason for why they do that. <laughs> Another important thing about the show is that the intro song to the show basically tells you everything you need to know about the plot of the show. Um, it tells you that Joel got kidnapped by the evil doctors and they shot him into space and then he used a bunch of the spaceship parts to make his robot friends to help keep him sane while he's watching all the cheesy movies. It also says in the intro sequence that Joel cannot control when the movies start or when the movies end because he used those parts of the spaceship uh, to make his robot friends. So that that's why uh, whenever it cuts to the when it cuts from the host segments to the movie segments, there's always like an alarm that's going off, and they go, "Ah, it's movie time! It's movie time!" It's because they <laughs> cannot control when that happens. So whenever it happens, it's supposed to like startle them, and they have to like <laughs> rush into the movie theater. Uh, and so that is that is why that all their scene transitions are like that. There is one <laughs> uh, one additional side note is that there is a character known as the magic voice mm -hmm. which is like a narrator to us the viewers but apparently it's just an actual voice that is on the satellite of love that just says things like movie sign in three 
Like she announces yeah. things. Just a woman's voice. Or she'll that, say like, like stuff. commercial sign. Yeah. So like she announces she does announce things sometimes. But like they apparently in some episodes they address her once in a while and it's uh revealed that Joel built her. Yeah. So but, Joel, Joel built all the robots, yeah, including so like, the magic voice. So much so much that's a part of the satellite of love is all thanks to Joel is kind of the takeaway. Right. <laughs> is when I when I was a boy I used to watch Pee Wee's Playhouse, but I'm a man now, so I just built <laughs> so, a bunch of I was of gonna voices say that earlier that this show is like <laughs> when you describe it, it's like the way that they address like the viewers and things like that and make you a part of it. It's like a children's show for yeah. adults in well, a way. It, it is, it's not like geared towards kids, but they're definitely like a family friendly show. And I they get like they lots got, of letters from kids and stuff. I think they started out, they weren't trying to be family friendly necessarily, yeah. but like, it's not like they weren't super unfriendly right. to kids watching. And like so, because they they've definitely, They've definitely in later seasons like gotten stricter on what yeah. they can say and show in well, the movies. I mean, that was also them changing with the times a little. Probably, probably. I was going to say it's probably not just them. It's probably just the world. Uh, yeah, I mean, if they if they went hard on on shows and such, at that point they would just be any other YouTube channel. So yeah, there is um <laughs> in in the Netflix version of the show. There was specifically an episode where Gypsy comes in down from the ceiling in the theater to specifically censor a woman's boobs. Yeah. So <laughs> remember, Gypsy's like attached to the ship. Um, every once in a while during the movies, she will like descend from the ceiling. Um, she like picks She's up. She's not part of like being in the, mo- in the theater with them. Right. But once in a while she appears. Um, she'll like pick up some a mysterious box. Um, I I think the it's payload. Yeah, it's called the payload, and it, they don't explain what it is. They or never what it does. explain what it is. Um, but she has to come pick it up out of the movie theater every once in a while. I assumed it was like test data of some sort, but I I don't know. Um, also, is it's important to know for Gypsy later on in the in the most recent seasons they did change her name because they became more aware of that how you're not supposed to use that word so um she is henceforth known as gpc and uh, we can call her that too i would yeah, say I would we can say, refer to her as gpc say, yeah that is what it's better we we realized that gypsy danger was a bit of a, a we already name. talked about that and then in the second one they renamed the robot Gypsy Revenge. It's just yeah, that's weird. I I will give them the credit that they did that and they found a way to keep her name sounding like basically the same. Right, that's uh, a except robot name. it's GPC. GPC. Um, um, wait, I was gonna say too though. That's important about about GPC is that she, um, in the in the first, well, the majority of the seasons really. She um, talks. She's voiced by a man, mm-hmm. and she talks in a really funny falsetto. Yeah, and she's like portrayed as being like kind of much slower mm-hmm. and a little dim-witted compared to the other bots. Not that any of them are like smart, I would say. <laughs> right, but <laughs> there's an in-universe reason for that, which is that she 
Uh, GPC basically like controls and runs most of the higher functions of the satellite of love. Yeah. And so she's like exhausting all of her uh I don't know what the right word would be, like but her resources. her resources to running the satellite of love, which slows her down when you talk to her. Yeah. So that's why she is like that. And like, they really I think I don't know what I, they never came up with like an in-universe reason for this, but in more recent seasons, she is voiced by a woman and talks normally and is more <laughs> on par with the other bots in yeah. terms of her interactions. So I I assume they just were kind of like, maybe we shouldn't have the one female robot <laughs> yeah. be like that. Well, and they have, I mean, they, they've changed it a lot over the, over like the newer, in the newest ones like the robots voices will change which there's like a reason for that within the show um but you know it functionally means that there's a different person puppeteering them basically so they now do have like women do the puppeteering for like crow um and so every once in a while crow will have a woman's voice because he is just he has a woman's voice but in in functionality he's being puppeted by a different person now so yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk through talk through this. You you kind of have all the background, you know all the characters now that are that are mostly important. And you're ready to go through the series of massive changes this show goes through. <laughs> yeah, so it gets it's if it's pretty formulaic when it starts, um, which you know. I mean, I, it again, remains formulaic. Well, right, but it it had like, you know, it was just like six dudes working on this show originally so it was like there were three like on-screen actors in any given show and then there were the puppeteers for the robots and then like that was pretty much it i think everyone who worked on the show did other roles for the show as well like if you were a puppeteer you probably also were in props there was tons of bits that would need an extra character once mm -hmm. in a while and it was pretty much always one like crow's voice actor or right. tom servo's voice actor or one of the head writers uh, -huh. uh who we will get to right um all right bring us bring us through what's going on here so there's this these two evil doctors they're doing these experiments to try and find a movie that's so bad it will make people lose their their will to resist their authority <laughs> authoritarian regime now, pretty quickly, I I would say maybe a lot of people aren't even familiar with um, Dr. Earhart, who is like working with Dr. Forrester and helped start this project, this experiment. But Dr. Earhart uh, leaves the show um, kind of soon into season one, I believe. And uh, the, the in-universe reason uh, was they apparently... Joel asked, hey, where's Dr. Earhart? And uh, they show a milk carton with Dr. Earhart's face on it, and they're like, he's missing. <laughs> and he just never comes back. Like so, <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, that's usually how business dealings that, between two evil geniuses go. That actor just left the show. So so that was their in-universe in reason. Um, and more people are familiar with Dr. Forrester having his underling be TV's Frank. 
Yeah. So Why I'm, is he called TV's Frank? Because he's on TV. Yeah. I I looked it up. Doctor Doctor Forster was looking for a replacement for Doctor Earhart, and so he went to a nearby Arby's and found a guy <laughs> named Frank, and he brought him onto the show. And then he, once he was on the show for a while, he insisted on being called TV's Frank as <laughs> an homage to like when you're introduced at like a, a red carpet and they, you know, they'll say like TV's Vanna White kind of thing. Uh, so, so yeah, from now for the time being, it is now Dr. Forrester and TV's Frank uh, doing all of this uh evil which is a different relationship because dr forrester and dr Earhart were like equals but dr forrester just had like seniority because he was older and dr forrester and tv's frank is more like a mad scientist and his henchman yeah tv's frank is not like particularly he's just a guy yeah he's just some dude from just a guy Yeah, when you said the name TV's Frank, I didn't actually think genius in my <laughs> <Yes>. head. So, <laughs> yeah, he's he's really uh, shown to be Doctor Forrester's underling, and like Doctor Forrester conducts other experiments on TV's Frank as well. So it's a different relationship, but I think was probably better in the long run for comedy's sake. Yeah. So it's they're they're kind of like mirrors of each other. Whereas Joel has his robots that he made and he takes care of. Uh, Doctor Forrester has his underling that he kind of abuses, but he's okay with it because I guess he just likes being uh, on uh, TV. He, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he's just a guy who used to work at Arby's, so it's a big it's a step up, I guess. I, guess. I would say I so. Don't, I don't know. I guess I think, he seems to I kind of enjoy at Arby's. It. Yeah, I think working at Arby's is probably worse than being tortured by a mad scientist. I would tend to agree with that, I suppose. I think it's also worth noting that as their creator, Joel is kind of seen by the bots as their father figure. Though they don't explicitly say that. It's just like their dynamic is the bots really... They might poke fun at him once in a while, but um, there's so many like teachable moments that they have together that Joel will end up like kind of be like oh we gather around well you need to know that you know blah 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 so he's always like kind of teaching them a lesson and they wait, really wait, look wait, up to wait, him wait. that explain to me a teachable moment for these robots on well, the satellite well it all comes from bits don't you see yeah well it's, imagine too like so there are the there are the host segments that are in between like they kind of cut up the movie that they're making fun of Usually they will like relate to the part of the movie that they just saw. Um, so like in one of them, they there's a giant monster that's running around that's like a giant human eyeball. And then the robots are like, Joel, how come people are afraid of giant human eyeballs? And they're like, oh, well, you <laughs> see, humans can't just take their body parts out and put them back in like you guys can. So, you know, if we so see like, like a that. big disembodied head, you know, we're pretty scared of that, even though... You know, Tom Servo can take his head off and be just fine. It's it's a lot of small things like that. I mean, they they are always doing some sort of what I would describe as a skit. Yeah. And like sure. they're like doing it for no one but right. like the mad scientists who will oftentimes come like comment on what they're doing. And like the mad scientists the mads tend to 
It's not that they don't know that the robots exist, but they almost always just kind of ignore them. Like, they will talk to Joel specifically, but they almost never interact with the actual, like, robots. Uh, yeah, I mean, they know they're there. They just, they're not talk. they're not there to talk to them. They're there to talk yeah. to Joel. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they're definitely, like, they'll do stuff with, like, you know, if it's, like, a Christmas if it's like a Christmas episode or something like that, they'll, you know, it, it's definitely that dynamic of like Joel is teaching them all the meaning of Christmas or whatever. And they're like not really getting it. Like they're just kind of goofing on stuff the whole time. So uh, it's not like a super serious relationship, but the robots definitely do like not even like respect him really because they always do that. The I would bit say they do. Like, they do. They, they care do about in him, comparison. But they, they all razz each other a bunch. You know how it is. What I was going to say to kind of lead us into the next segment of talking about Mystery Science Theater is that Joel eventually escapes the Satellite of Love and is replaced by another host named Mike. And the robots do have a different relationship with Mike compared to Joel. Because Joel is their creator, and like we were saying, you're not my dad. I mean, like we were saying, they have like this kind of like, um, almost. I mean, they have a respect for him, and like look to him for answers about the human experience in most cases. Whereas Mike, who is the second host of Mystery Science Theater, is more like their older brother in a way. Yeah, (laughs) and they do not respect him as much. Because there is a notable difference between Joel and Mike and the robots really make fun of Mike much, much, much more. And so as, as like to relate this to the real world, uh, Joel is a very deadpan guy. He says everything very like monotone. And I mean, because he does like prop comedy, like the joke is kind of the thing he's holding. It's not necessarily him telling the joke. Um, and that's just how he does comedy. So he is, uh, you know, he, he definitely is leaning into that. But then by the time we get to Mike, um, Mike was one of the head writers of the show and would often appear in skits. Like Lizzie was saying, a lot of people had to just like do, um, do their bits. Uh, but he is definitely more of a like comedian in delivery kind of guy. He's got, I think probably what most people would see as like traditional charisma. And so he, he's a lot, he's a lot more like spirited when he's talking and stuff like that. And so the robots, I think give him a lot more, um, you know, give him a lot more guff because that he's got the kind of personality that handles that a little bit better where it would, feel a lot more mean if you did it to Joel because Joel's already just kind of like hey guys how how I mean Joel is very Joel is also very (laughs) passive to the Mads like with the fact that they have trapped him in this kind of horrible situation and torture him yeah and he's always really excited to do the invention exchange and stuff like that whereas Mike in comparison is pretty much always trying to fight them about like being locked there and uh like expressly wants to leave but joel was never like that yeah so are are you two uh joel fans or mike stands i like joel i i have to say i much prefer mike i do like joel but i just it's like 
And I'm sure this is very divisive for people who love this show, but like, it's just Mike is so much better of a host to me just because of that charisma. Well, and but like nothing beats the the charm of the original creator being in it also. And so, as a point of order for the show. Um, the invention that exchanges themselves because they basically existed as a way for Joel to feature his prop comedy, they do eventually become phased out as Mike uh, as Mike takes over the show as Mike is not a prop comic and does not seem to be interested in doing prop comedy. And within the show itself, Joel is seen as like a, a inventor capable of like making robots and stuff like that whereas mike does not seem to be able to really make anything of substance mike is not as smart as joel yeah at least when it comes to the, mike yeah <laughs> at least when it comes to tech stuff well like mike is so joel worked at gizmonic institute despite being a janitor but mike is also kind of like just some guy and he was a temp at gizmonic institute <sighs> yeah so he's again so he is that like this a different level of joel so what the actual the actual like handoff event was um tv's frank and dr forrester were doing their experiments as per usual um eventually uh tv's frank just dies <laughs> my tv's frank <laughs> is there for mike he doesn't die when joel leaves oh really <laughs> yeah Oh but, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's I, a fun yeah. fact. TV's Frank just dies canonically. Yeah, we'll come back to that. <laughs> so, um at at one point GPC goes over to Joel and then she's like Okay, this is this is going to like require some like more real-world explanation <laughs> stuff, but she says that she was going through their inventory and that she found a bunch of cans of ham dingers like in a big crate with an escape pod and joel's like wait we have an escape pod but we need to go back because she we said the word ham dingers ham, we, we said the word ham dingers and so i needed to know what ham dingers most people are. would just be like okay whatever that is but so cj was like now ham, what is that ham dingers are a real thing uh, they were manufactured in Cudahy, Wisconsin, uh, in like the seventies and eighties, and they are like a spam kind of thing. It is a can Ugh. of eight ham Circles. ham patties, oh. pre-cooked ham patties in a can. Oh. God. And I guess oh, it is a God. thing that 70s kids in Wisconsin specifically would have grown up eating. Everything uh, comes down to the weirdest niche, most niche Wisconsin things. And they're called ham dingers, like humdingers, Ugh. but with ham. Ham please, dingers. And those were apparently move on. on Satellite of Love. Yeah, they had them on the Satellite uh, like of Love. Like a lot. They had a pile of them. They had a crate full, <laughs> and apparently within that crate, GPC found an escape shuttle. And then Joel goes, oh, there's an escape shuttle? Cool, then I can just escape. Then I can just leave. And then he does. <laughs> and he does. And and that is how and that is how Joel's era comes to an end, right? Except he continues to write for the show, right. but his in the, in the real host. in the real world he still does a lot of show running stuff. But uh -huh. he kind of gave up the host role because he thought that he wanted to have someone more charismatic. Well, there's the there's show. a cup there's been a couple of reasons put out there on the internet as to why Joel stopped hosting, and 
I'm sure it's honestly just a combination of all of them because one reason was Joel like knew he wasn't the best host like he didn't have the energy for it and he felt should be replaced and another reason was Joel had other creative projects he wanted to do and then the third reason I heard was that Joel had um too much back and forth with the producer of the show Jim Mallon who is also one of the former voices of GPC um okay and maybe it's yeah. all of those things yeah so I mean you know I think we're pretty used to this kind of thing it's basically the same as when Steve left Blue's Clues when yes. he found that escape <laughs> it's like pod. literally exactly like that <laughs> and, and they have to be like hey kids this is my cousin. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember who immediately replaced Steve. You guys, you guys remember there was the, in like middle school, and Steve then you went were out, talking about, Steve it was went like, to oh, college. he died of drugs. Like, he had a drug huh? problem. Oh, and poor he Steve. Was, he, he just had cancer. Yeah. He did just have uh, cancer kind of recently, but he never had a drug problem. That was just a well, thing did, someone made up. Yeah, I know. No, well, well, the crazy thing is, like, people said that he had cancer before because right. he shaved his head, but he was like, no, I was just going bald, <laughs> I so I shaved my head. But now he does, does have, have cancer. cancer. Uh, it was the same thing as like Macaulay Culkin, and they're like, oh my god, he's on meth now. And he's like, nah, I no, I have never done meth. I just look like this. <laughs> I just look like this is what I am. Uh, oh, well, Joel didn't I have get a that, band that Yeah, I have a band about pizza, which is kind of like being on <laughs> just, meth. But. Yeah, it's, it's kind of strange. Um, they, and, and then, so Mike is, Mike enters the show, like Lizzie said, he was just an intern, but they do basically the same. Yeah. But they do basically the same thing where they kidnap him and put him on a rocket and put him back on the satellite of love. And so he is also trapped there as their new test experiment. And then the intro changes to, cause it used to be that, um, he can't control when the movies begin or end cause he used those special parts to make his robot friends. And it changes to he'll have to keep his sanity with the help of his robot friends. Right. So in in most of the seasons, um, at least where there's like actual changes in the the cast of the show, um, they do a new intro and they usually have new words for the intro that will describe more accurately what's going on at this. It's why you point. can watch this show. You can jump in anywhere because they literally tell you everything you need to know when you listen to the intro, which is also probably why so many people who like this show don't actually like couldn't tell you the real plot because they're like, well, they tell you it in the intro. Yeah. <laughs> With the transition to Mike, a couple other things eventually happen. Um, TV's Frank does die, as we previously mentioned, and it's not it's like just kind of sudden and it again the in the real world reason was that that actor was leaving the show and uh, that's better than, the actor died no he's nothing <laughs> no, happened he's to him fine. he just left the show um tv's frank uh he ascended into second banana heaven which yeah. is the place that okay. all sidekicks go <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like I, I've seen this episode. Like, it's really just... He gets, like, a fortune that tells him his death is imminent at, like, the beginning <laughs> of the episode. And then the end of the episode, he just dies. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, he he's... um He's ascended by the angel Torgo, 
which is a reference to a movie that is like was made famous by the show this is just a side fun fact but there's a movie that is uh everyone just collectively agrees is the worst movie they have shown on mystery science (laughs) theater 3000 that also got so much notoriety from this that it now appears on like the worst movies of all time lists like it's always at least near the top if not number one yeah and it's called manos hand hands of fate or like the hand of fate something like that and they like fully embrace that they helped make this movie like uh known to the world and they specifically bring this character Torgo back in multiple episodes for skits. So Torgo is a character in the movie that is just like this bizarre, like kind of like Igor type character, like a classic mad scientist Igor character. That's just weird old man that serves a dark master. And they, they just really latched onto that. So Torgo comes to ascend TV's Frank and he is dead. And he never comes back in the show. But he's dead now. But in order to keep the the formula of having two mads versus um the host and their bots, they bring on to replace TV's Frank Pearl Forrester, who is Dr. Forrester's mom. And it, it is okay. he, it is heavily implied that Pearl and TV's Frank had some sort of fling. Yeah, like, they had a relationship. They they're like they're like good friends at least. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that historians would say that they historian were good would friends. call them good friends. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, so, and it's very like stereotypical. Like Doctor Forrester is very resentful of his mother and really cites her for the reason why he is an evil scientist. And important to note, Pearl Forrester is also a mad evil scientist. Yes. Um, so <laughs> she she also is worthy of the title of Mads. Uh, but yeah, it, it goes it, it flips the dynamic because before uh, Doctor Forrester would like be beating up on TV's Frank, and now his mother is just bullying him, talking about what a waste of space he is. Um, and now he is the he is now the second banana in this relationship. Yes, Oof, that's so rough. to the point that um, season eight sees the actor who plays Doctor Forrester leave. So obviously, <laughs> we have to have some reason why Doctor Forrester is no longer in the show to be replaced by his mother Pearl. You will never know. You would never, you never guess, guess what happens to how to they remove him. Um, he does not. Do you want die. to give it a go? Sure. Well, he does yeah. die eventually, I mean, but well, right, how but does he get my, removed initially? I mean, my initial guess is just that the terribleness of having your mother doing the same job as you but telling you about how awful you are at it made him just seek a different career did he go to work at arby's no beside that one was better no no um it's better than that um (laughs) 
so at the end of season seven, it's revealed that um, Dr. Forrester, who is always presumably on, uh, like, had, like, a tenuous relationship with the rest of Gizmonic Institute, mm-hmm. um, which you could, you know from the beginning because they're always in Deep 13, which is the 13th basement of Gizmonic Institute, which is, they're forced to be down there. <laughs> For yeah. all of their experiments, which Joel, which Joel says is highly radioactive because it is very close <laughs> to Gizmonic Institute's nuclear piles. But anyway, uh, he at the end of season seven reveals that he has officially lost all funding and he's going to have to pack up and leave and move in with his mother. Yeah, so he's lost funding for the Mystery Science Theater three thousand experiment. Um, and okay. <laughs> while. While he's packing up to leave, um, he kind of has a unique experience in which uh, he's like visited by a sentient video cassette player, which turns him into a space baby. Yeah, which is just a baby. He he reverts (laughs) to a space baby. baby, and Pearl is really happy because she's like, great, I'm going to raise Clayton again and I'm going to raise him the right way this time so that he doesn't become a mad scientist, which I don't really know why because she's also a mad scientist, she's but also, she's, yeah. she's like, I'm going to raise him to be better now. I Okay, firstly, <laughs> I would not have guessed that. Yeah. And secondly, I was not getting the vibe from Pearl that she was the kind of person who would say, you know, I think it was my parenting that really went wrong here, well, so I'll give it another go. Well, guess what happens with the beginning of season eight? Um, I, you'll never I guess. guess. I, try, I tried truly, last time. I'm, I'm not going to try again. You'll truly never guess. So, okay. so I, I'm not totally sure... How, but at the uh, when season eight starts, um, Pearl is revealed to have uh, cryogenically frozen herself mm-hmm. so she could survive far into the future, mm-hmm. and she wakes back up on Earth in the year twenty five twenty five, and she kind of throws away what happened to Clayton. And she's like, well, I tried to raise him right, but it wasn't really working. So I smothered him with a pillow and killed him. So, <laughs> so, so she killed him. So, And that's that's the in-universe explanation of why they didn't like also then like bring him back as a child. Yeah. Um, so there's there's some important stuff that happens that happens in there. Um the at the at the end of Dr. Forrester's funding, he decides to just end the MS the MST three thousand uh, experiment. So the experiment is tethered to the planet Earth by a really long cable. It's called the umbilicus. <laughs> called the umbilicus. Um, and when the and when the experiment is brought to an end by the doctor because he lost his funding, um, he untethers the the uh, satellite of love, and it floats off into space. And then so for a while, instead of being in the satellite of love, which is 
um, somewhere in orbit around the Earth. It is flying through all of time and space, um, and Pearl is attempting to uh, to reclaim it because she wants to take up the the experiment for her own. So despite killing him, she did promise to keep the experiments going mm-hmm. to him. The, so her morality thing, is all over the place. The thing that is just not sitting right with me here is that this is as crazy as plenty of the other shit that we talk about, but you guys are <laughs> describing it so matter-of-factly. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty simple to it's follow. A very, it's a very about. Joel method of storytelling. Well, so <laughs> this is a fun fact out, that's a real-world fun fact. Um, the reason why there's this... There's more to what happens starting in season eight, and we'll get to that. To preface <laughs> this, though, um, season eight starts w- when the show started airing on the Sci Fi channel. Before season okay. eight, it was airing on the Comedy, Comedy Channel. Central. Comedy Central. Um, and so when they moved to the Sci Fi channel, somebody at Sci Fi must have been like, you need more sci-fi plot in this show which is i guess the reason about why they add all of this extra insanity that i don't know if you are ready for i just am yeah, absolutely not i mean ready. we already pretty, started off with Clay- tame so clayton far. was killed by his own mother uh off screen a star baby yeah. and she cryogenically froze herself so she could seek revenge in the future. She woke up in year 2525 to the Earth, a la Planet of the Apes, being run by a bunch of very sentient monkeys. Mm -hmm. And she just, like, became their leader, in her words, the lawgiver to the sentient apes. Wait, 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 what year did she... She wakes up in 2025? 2525. 2525. Okay, I was like... That two thousand see that happening in the next couple of years. Two years, sentient <laughs> yeah. apes rise um, up against and us, and that's when she gives us the throwaway that like she's like, "Yeah, I killed, I killed my son." By the way, um, and yeah, I mean, sometimes you just you have a dud. You so know, this what can you do? Season eight though features her flying around the time and time and space, chasing Mike Nelson and the bots on the satellite of love, and she's in inexplicably she's in a volkswagen mm-hmm. like the little a bus Volks, a Volks, Volks bus and it's called the Widowmaker. that's her spaceship this is the name of her ship I, but she is trying to chase down the satellite of love so that she can uh continue the experiment which is again <laughs> all flying through time and space again yes there's and, so much and- time jumping that happens the rest of the series it, it's good they did preface that like okay we're just going you know rogue on time and (laughs) and so also and also the experiment is pointless at at this point because there's no more humans to take over this is just monkeys on earth well Well, don't worry about that yeah i mean like it it... (laughs) which wait wait, wait, which they already worship well so listen i think she's just doing it out of like like, out of love for her son son that she she smothered she's doing it out of respect for the son she killed so yeah that that lands so can you can you just tell me how many how many total seasons are we looking at? Because we're eight in. I want to know how much time we're gonna increase the there's, insanity there's over. There's thirteen seasons. There's 13 okay. Seasons. 
Um, and it was on the Sci-Fi Channel season eight through uh, season ten. Okay, um, so not a long time. Yeah, not a long time, but a, a lot, a lot happened <laughs> because I. <laughs> so again, to further, does it even matter why they're doing the, doing these experiments anymore? Um, <laughs> the Earth is blown up in in yeah. 2525 by Mike Mike Nelson yeah. the host on accident on accident he <laughs> blows up the the earth that's now inhabited by sentient apes well um, as long as it was an accident you know it wasn't malicious it he's not evil he's just kind of clumsy i mean more specifically it was destroyed by a group of bomb worshipping mutants right but it's it comes back to mike Wait. nelson <laughs> how is that mike's fault <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I actually didn't. I didn't look yeah, that up. Yeah, I'm the, not totally the, sure. The document... I just know that that's a fact that Mike Nelson <laughs> is responsible for the destruction of Earth and more, because as we follow season eight, um, Pearl left Earth before it was destroyed. Little did she know she had a stowaway in her Widowmaker, whose name is Professor Bobo. And he is a person in a monkey costume. Um, and <laughs> Bobo eventually yep, becomes, yep, 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 yep. he basically becomes like, you know, the TV's Frank to, to Dr. Forrester, mm -hmm. to Pearl. But also, that's not enough. They're going to add a third mad host. Oh, finally. Because they also stop by another planet and they discover this alien race of omnipotent beings called the observers and their um mike nelson destroys their planet again okay <laughs> however well, not before okay. they do get Dude, someone accidentally blow up a planet once yeah mike mike Shame. i think i mean he does it more than once it just He's not as smart as Joel, you see. He's not as tech savvy, so he keeps making all these accidents I... when he tries to do something that is tech related. No, I, no, I, I, I don't know if I buy this. I, it's like Mike is when... death destroyer of worlds, literally. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know we've we've seen plenty of those goofy you know articles that are like oh the the janitor hears a beeping alarm he doesn't like and he destroys 10 years worth of scientific data or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah when you hear that one once it's like okay that's that guy crazy, was but i Nelson. guess that happened <laughs> if he did that a second time then it's not an accident anymore it's like kind of okay because the observers i I'm I is my understanding because I didn't really see the episodes where there are more of these guys, but I don't think they are a kind alien race. No, they seem to be <laughs> they seem to be malicious. They're the malicious. The observers are, I mean, I think they're based on the Marvel comic observers of the same. They definitely year. are. Um, but they. <laughs> They they imply that they are super intelligent, um, but like all but of like their actions <laughs> are to the contrary. Um, all of them are basically like blue brains inside of a bowl, um, and but they, they have like people carrying around yeah, that bowl. <laughs> so they they identify as the brains, like they say that they are the brains in the bowl, 
um, and they speak through these like humanoid hosts that are carrying their bowl around that they seem to just be like, like a that seems a to be their body, but they insist that they don't have bodies, that they are just the brains. And whenever someone mentions that they have bodies holding up their brains, they go, no, we don't. So, <laughs> and to describe the look of the observers. So it's like people who are painted all white with like black around their eyes. And mm-hmm. then they're wearing like a purple cape and hood. And yeah. then they're holding these brains. And like some of the observers, like one of the observers is also Mike Nelson. Like he yes. is dressed up like that so he's in face paint so they don't it's have many harder to it's tell not, it's not actually him in the show right. it's just the actor right is is there something wrong with midwestern creators is that just, just kind get, of like we get bored and we <laughs> well just come okay weird listen shit. so the observers they were all destroyed with the exception of one who becomes again like a sidekick to pearl and it, they just call him brain guy yeah. Um, so Pearl now has two sidekicks, Professor Bobo and Brain Guy. Apparently, canonically, the rest of the observers, they didn't die. They just got, like, blown to another version of Earth, mm-hmm. I guess, because the 25-25 one was exploded. But they went to another version of Earth and became Wisconsinites. Yeah. That's canonically yeah. what happened. Yeah. And then spent the, day, <laughs> Obviously. And then spent the right. rest of their life rooting for the Green Bay Packers. So those are just all small details of things that yeah. are happening in season eight. So like also like there was a different ape professor named Dr. Peanut, who was Obviously. the assistant to Professor Bobo. They worked in Deep Ape, which is like Deep 13, but <laughs> it's the ape version of that. Um, but during the explosion, he was sent back in time, um, and then he's the one who creates the race of ape people to start with. So the reason that the world got taken over by ape people is because one of the ape people got sent back in time to create the ape uprising my favorite part about all of this lore is that it so does not matter to yeah anything. they just they just all like talk about right, it just yeah. move on these are just things that happen more like in the show yeah i mean that's the only way you could get away with 13 seasons of this stuff right is that this is all background to making None fun of, of bad matters. movies from yeah, the 70s we're just, make, we're just making fun of bad old movies that's what this show's about well, eventually, going into season nine, um, they do catch the satellite of love again, and they tether it back down to another Earth, and uh, where Pearl lives in a castle called Castle Forester. She lives there with Professor Bobo and Brain Guy, and they continue the experiments. They just tether the satellite of love to their castle and send him the bad movies so all of that in season eight just kind of built up to shenanigans with pearl and bobo and brain guy just being in a castle together sending uh mike movies and that's basically all you need to say about it really yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah they uh 
They did this for many years, Ethan. They did that in season nine and season 10. um, (laughs) When eventually the final episode of season 10, Pearl accidentally breaks the satellite of love and it's sent spiraling down to earth. Um, <laughs> there sure are a lot she, of accidental distractions yeah, happening. Accidental distraction. Yeah, it's everyone in the show is kind of not super smart. Like, none yeah, of I them, mean, they're all stupid. None of them are like. Joel was by far s- like the smartest person on the show, and he yeah. never returns. And there's no one who gets like at a higher level than Joel. But also he was like, like they had an escape pod in the spaceship he was trying to escape from and he just, and he just didn't, didn't look know. for it. Like, well, that I guess yeah. Mike is the one who more implies that like he just doesn't know what's all on the satellite of love. Yeah. Like I, I think they have rooms and they yeah. come to the room where they talk to the Mads, but like they just don't explore it otherwise because they always seem surprised <laughs> that the satellite of love has something that it has for that specific bit they're going to do. Yeah. The only thing that they know for sure that they refer to is rocket number nine, which is um, a rocket on the satellite of love that has a camera that points outward into space. Mm -hmm. So you can see if like there's something outside. So they'll have like guest segments uh, in the style of like space ghost where people will just be flying by in whatever spaceship they have, and then they'll just talk to them for, like, a quick interview or whatever. But it's, like, all in character as, like, either a character from the movie they're watching or as just, like, some wacky thing they came up with that they decided that they wanted to to do a bit with. Well, but anyway, the satellite of love uh, comes all, down to crash to Earth. All, and all good things all must eventually end. All good things end. come to an end. Including Pearl really kind of treats it as like whatever. And she like, uh, Mike has more like, um, I don't know, worry and upset for like her experiment than she seems to care about because (laughs) he's like saying like, but the experiment, Pearl, we're crashing. You're going to lose everything. And she's like, she says, quote, look, Nelson, move on. I am. <laughs> and she goes on, in her words, to become the dictator of Qatar. The country. Yeah. and <laughs> the, the real life country. Right. Yeah, 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 of course. And yeah. the satellite of love crash lands in Wisconsin near Milwaukee. Obviously. Where, where Mike Nelson is able to finally escape. But... This is not the end of Mystery Science Theater 3000. It was the end for a long time. It was the end for a long time. So another real world fun fact. um, Mystery Science Theater 3000 came to an end after the sci-fi channel run. And uh, Joel, the original creator, did think that people still wanted to watch Mystery Science Theater 3000, which he was correct about. And so he took it into his own hands and did a Kickstarter to make more Mystery Science Theater. And when that was done, which was like the the teens, the mid two thousands, um, he uh, that was that Kickstarter ended up being the um, the highest grossing Kickstarter for uh, TV and movie. 
TV and film category. No. So it was clearly like, yeah, absolutely, make more. It raised $5 million, close to $6 million. That doesn't seem like an amount of money that they needed well, for the thing they were well, doing. Well, what they were really doing was they wanted... It was more of like a proving to someone that people want more so that someone else would pick them up. Yeah. Right. And it worked because Netflix picked up Mystery Science Theater 3000. And that's where sure. we get seasons 11 and 12. How how long ago was this? The, was this was that era when like Netflix was like we will we will make anything um, if we think people want to see yeah, it. It season, wasn't that era. Yeah. Well, yeah, it wasn't that. It was season eleven came out on Netflix in twenty seventeen, I believe. So not okay, that long ago. Yeah, yeah. And then they did have a season two that was shorter because the first season was like fourteen episodes and season two was six, and then. Um, just to jump ahead, that also then was canceled by Netflix. And Joel, right. yet again, and also being correct, said, I think people still want to watch Mystery Science Theater. And he again went to Kickstarter and this time raised $7 million, almost eight. And this time created season 13 which is 12 episodes, and this is independently made. Mm-hmm. So this is distributed oh, through okay. their own platform, which is called the the Gizmoplex. The Gizmoplex. <laughs> so that was okay. so that's the modern era of. They seem to have retained the rights theater. to all of their shows, which is pretty impressive. Yes. Um, because yeah, that's neat. Now the like Lizzie said, the only way to see the shows. Um, unless you watch them on TV or a TV like service. So we use Pluto TV. Um, but like you can't get it on any streaming service. The only way to get it is either to see it on TV cause it's licensed through a station or to go and like buy or rent it from the, from their actual website. Um, and that they also have some free ones on YouTube. If you yeah. are interested in Mystery Science Theater 3000, you can just go watch an episode on YouTube that's hosted by them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it's really great. Um, yeah, I mean, this is again just more real world stuff, but I think something about Mystery Science Theater that's really great is that from the very beginning of the show they encouraged people to tape the show to save it um and like rewatch and show your friends and um that is cited as being the reason why the show is so um it's like they still have all of the episodes apparently there is only one lost episode of mystery science theater and it's because there was this huge like community they made out of encouraging people to tape their shows and i think that's great and apparently they still to this day reference like if you gotta see it you gotta see it you know watch it watch it however though we do need money to make it so you should if you do want to watch mystery science theater you should give money to them since they're on their own at this point but they had a secret phrase that they would always say to each other in like real world settings, which is keep circling the tapes. 
which is just about keep passing around the taped episodes of Mystery Science Theater because it's one of the main reasons this show has stayed alive. But yeah, it's super I'm... cool in this day and age where so many people are so, like, you know, anti that. I mean, corporation-wise, that they're like, you can only watch it on our streaming service and we can take it away at any time and it will be just be gone. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, it's also... it's an interesting show in general because the era from which it takes a lot of the movies it's uh riffing on is like an era of just lost media nowadays you know yeah i think they have also noted that there is a chance that some of the movies that are shown on mystery science theater could end up being like that's the only copy we have yeah i don't know if any of them are like that currently because the reason why they can even show these movies or that they buy the copyright to them. So, mm-hmm. like, having made them, surely they, I mean, especially in more modern versions, surely they, like, own it in some capacity mm-hmm. that um, they'd hang on to. But I would say there's definitely a huge chance that as we go forward in time, Mystery Science Theater 3000 will be the only thing preserving some of these horrible <laughs> old movies. Yeah. No, I I saw similar things. Um the fucking Wu-Tang clan is one of the primary preservers of uh old kung fu movies. Yeah. Oh, and they they have like a ton of them that they they uh like putting money into finding the old VHS copies and stuff like that. They're the only reason that we still have some of these shitty old Kung Fu movies. A lot of media is not lost. Thanks to people who just taped something they saw on TV. Right. It is not known though, where it is, which does make it lost, but that doesn't mean it can't be found again. True. Well, riffed on by a couple of robots with a, genius inventor or some guy or some guy or some guy as we went into season 11 and 12 and 13 they did get movies that are really more modern to us now because when they started making this show in the 90s surely those movies that they made that they were riffing on that a lot of them were from like the 70s right they're right. a lot of black some and people might have even like recognized them to be honest and not that we not that I've ever recognized well there is one movie they have riffed on in the modern era that I did know before Mystery Science Theater 3000 um the Netflix era they covered a movie called Atlantic Rim mm-hmm. which is a notorious rip off of Pacific Rim uh it's and pretty, that sounds really pretty good, good it's pretty I'm sure bad. uh I watched it <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen the actual movie, and then I've also seen the the Mystery Science Theater episode on it. And, uh, yeah, I think also, like, I don't know. I Definitely, like, YouTubers have done videos on it before. Like, it's a very memeable movie. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, the, going into the modern era, they do tend to have a lot more modern movies that they're rip, riffing off of, um, which is a lot harder these days, I would imagine, because... Uh, most of the time when you make a movie, they, it's either like people like it and it's good or it's just so boring. It's not even like funny (laughs) to talk about. 
Um, but there's a couple ones every once in a while that fit in there. And I'm not saying about the meme yeah. movies like Cocaine Bear that are supposed <laughs> to be like that on purpose. Right. It defeats well, the whole... Yeah, like they can't do any of the, the sci-fi original movies where they were like purposely trying to be bad, like Sharknado. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they also just have the problem that... There's it, for modern movies. There's so much competition and people memeing on them. You know, I I thought like, if, of that. Yes. Yeah. If 20 years from now they decide to meme on like Morbius, people are gonna be like, "Well, I remember all of these jokes from back in the day. This isn't really yeah. new ground well, covered." At least for now, um, seasons 11 through 13, the more modern era of. Um, Mystery Science Theater, it did see a lot of updates besides like, um, besides the movies being a little more recent on average. Mm -hmm. um, they also got a new host. Mm -hmm. uh, his name is Jonah this time. And however, same robots as always, same satellite of love. But wait, didn't it crash? It was rebuilt yes. by... Oh. Our new mad scientist, her name is Kinga Forrester, and she is the daughter of Dr. Clayton Forrester and granddaughter of Pearl Forrester. So we're continuing a family line here of mad scientists hosting. Why, why is she theory. doing this? She is Ecuadorian <laughs> royalty or whatever. So, well, that's a good question, Ethan. Kinga, Kinga is, at, just as Clayton was different from Pearl and Kinga is different from those two in that um, she's still considered a mad scientist, but instead of trying to take over the world, she is profit-driven. Yeah, she seems to be mostly interested in monetization. So she... So the setup to the Netflix era, which is season 11 and 12, is Jonah is a worker at Gizmonic Institute. Um, he is described as being, by other Gizmonic Institute workers, as kind of like a really cool guy. He doesn't have always do things by the book, but that kind of makes him cooler because he always gets it done. Yeah. But at the same time, he's like, Again, just kind, kind of, of a, a guy. <laughs> He's definitely like a dork. He's a little um, dork. The his his job, his role is he is a He's basically a semi-driver but in space, he's transporting a bunch of asteroids um to Earth. A payload as they refer to it. Yeah. Um and then uh Kinga is uh in charge of uh, well, she she oversees the recreation of the satellite of love, um, and the re the restart of the MST3K experiment, and on top of all of that, she now needs a a test subject, um, and so just like all the other test subjects, she basically just waited until someone kind of came around close by to the satellite of love, which happened to be Jonah and they trick him into entering the satellite of love. And then they trap him where he meets up with all of the robots that we have known so far. They with, were just there. They were just there also. <laughs> um, they don't ever explain why the robots are always just there, but they still are. <laughs> they still are. Well, uh, sure. the other thing of note is that, 
Kinga is in space. She is on the dark side of the moon mm-hmm. at moon 13, which yeah. is her base. So instead and then of, yeah. the satellite of love is like tethered to moon 13. So now instead of deep 13 or ape 13, <laughs> we moon have 13. moon 13. Or castle forester briefly. Yes. Um, and same kind of formula. They, they all kind of make fun of Jonah, the robots, um, they are. It's a similar relationship that Mike had with them, mm-hmm. right? Except the difference is that Jonah is more of an inventor than mm-hmm. Mike was. So the invention exchange so comes back. We got back. prop yeah. comedy the, back. The invention exchange has come back. Jonah also makes a few extra robot companions. Um, they never catch on as like hosts because the other robots hate them. All the, uh, the other the original robots all hate them. <laughs> Um, but they do show up every once in a while. Um, and just to like the groans of the other robots, like, oh. yeah, like, they just don't like them. And um, Jonah is, uh, again, the reason that they're experimenting on Jonah um, is because they are trying to like monetize. They, the, They're trying to monetize the show. Right, the actual show. So the the MST3K experiment is now about making MST3K and selling it, which, again, is a reflection of the real-world thing that was happening at she, that point where they she, were trying to fund and create the show again. Kinga, like, literally says, like, her plan is to like revitalize this franchise and make so much money she gets to sell it to Disney and then she'll make a billion dollars. Yeah. And they uh and so that is why she continues the tradition of having horrible cheesy movies is because the worse the movie is, the more, the more Jonah views. and the robot vamps and then the more people right. watch. Right. Yeah, I mean it's it is functionally the exact same premise. Yeah. It's like, it's, but like her and her motive is it's for the views. Right. Which uh, is right, more yeah, modern. I mean, but, but again, it's it's the, the difference between we would like fascist, fascist control over people, so we're creating a torture device, and we would like all of the money, so we're creating TV schlock. Yeah. Is, that's, yeah, yeah, it's just I've been updated. It's, it's got back a, around. I told you it was going to come back around to capitalism. It's all come <laughs> back around. So joy. There's another important real world thing that was happening as well to introduce our last character. Um, the MST3K had a traveling live show that they were doing for a long time, um, and. What? What what did they do on the traveling live show? They're like, they hey show, guys, they you sh- want to watch a movie with me? Yeah, yeah. they show yeah. a movie and they talk over they it. Would, what they are you would talking play about? a movie and they would have them riffing on it. They would it. just do the show. Yeah. And it's just live. <laughs> They're puppets. That's what all live <laughs> shows are, it. Ethan. What are you talking about? The YouTubers do that <laughs> shit too. What are you going to do? Play video games? Talk over it? Yeah, that's yes. what they do. <laughs> But that's also a reason why Joel was like, okay, people clearly would watch more Mystery Science Theater because they kept doing these tours. Because they'd come to watch us do it live. Yeah, okay, sure, yeah. So within the live show, uh, a new character arose. Well, kind of a a few. Well, yeah. But the the main one that becomes relevant as we get to the last season of the show is Emily. Um, who is 
a like rigor for the show. She's just like a stagehand, I think. But like in universe, in for universe, the, for the she's show, a stagehand for the show, and she is, um, she is also not super like tech savvy. She's a lot more in line with like a Mike as opposed to a Jonah or a Joel. They're really the spiritual successors of, like, Jonah is to Joel as Emily is to Mike, is the way I see it. And I guess as the live show went on, or maybe as part of the live show, I don't know, I could never find any, like, footage or anything from the live shows, so it's just all, like, secondhand accounts. But Emily became an important figure in the live shows. Um, She exists simultaneously to Jonah because she was doing the live shows while they were making the real shows. Um, in the Netflix era. In the Netflix era. But because Jonah is on the satellite of love and she is also on a satellite of love doing her show, they came up with a reason why this is the case. You see, Emily does her show on the simulator of love, which is just a virtual reality simulation of the the satellite of love. It's supposed to immerse you in the experience of the satellite of love. Right. And so she is also interacting with Tom Servo and Crow. Who are a part of the simulator of love. But they are just simulator versions (laughs) of Tom Servo and Crow. So they're not the real Tom Servo and Crow. (laughs) They're not the real robotic AIs. They're they're the digital robotic AIs. In the Netflix era, Kinga does have a sidekick, as all of them had, as all of the Mads had, which uh, is son of TV's Frank Max. Yeah. Formerly, he's it's TV's son of TV's Frank Max. Yeah. And he is genuinely the biological son son of TV's, but like not. I, apparently he was made through like Frank's genetic material. Yeah, so it's a bit almost a clone in a way. His, his origins are a bit hazy, but he is confirmed to be the actual son of TV's Frank, and, and he's, he's played, played by Patton Oswalt. I was just gonna say, good old Patton Oswalt. Um, and Max is like basically yeah. exactly the same in many ways to. TV's Frank. Mm-hmm. Except, I mean, it is Patton Oswalt doing a TV's Frank impersonation. Yeah, except I would say Max is nicer. He well, has he has a more he has a kinder spirit than TV's Frank, which was just kind of like stupid. Well, he's also guy. in love with Kinga, and he's in love with Kinga. So that's a so lot he of his do, motivation. His motivation is just to do whatever she says because he just loves her. Um. Whereas, you know, Kinga is just profit-driven. And this comes to a head where across um, the Netflix first season, uh, Kinga is always throwing out ideas for how they can boost the ratings and get more views and eventually comes to, you know what gets views? A wedding. I'm going to forcibly marry Jonah in an episode. And I'm going to make everyone come see it. And it'll be, you know, a huge rating success. And obviously, Max is distraught by this and really uh, wrestles with it throughout the entire season. Jonah, obviously, is like just a captive to this. Kinga threatens right. to shut off his oxygen if he does not comply <laughs> to actually legally marrying her. And um, 
they do set up like a whole ceremony and everything across the season they have familiar faces from the old um the old seasons pop in so pearl does visit because she is canonically alive but uh kinga is shown to be like she never she never knew her mom and she didn't have too much time with her dad kinga kinga is really not about her dad not that she doesn't like him but she is so much about uh living up to pearl and she's like obsessed with pearl and just wants pearl's uh attention and pearl's love basically but the times that there's like one time or there's two times pearl pops by in the netflix series with bobo and brain guy so apparently she just still hangs out with them um yeah why not uh she's very dismissive of kinga and like it's kind of like Ugh. Ugh. Uh, Ugh. <laughs> um and that's very saddening for kinga but it's she has some of that void filled by the fact that pearl has created a clone of herself it's actually a failed clone of herself and her name is cynthia so there is a pearl clone who then hangs out with kinga to like fill the void of her grandmother whose attention and love she does not get however cynthia is not like pearl because she's a failed clone so while she looks like her she's like slow and awkward and like doesn't understand like social cues very well and <laughs> i don't know what the transition point was but <laughs> at some point this became the writers like working through some stuff <laughs> well guess what they worked through a lot more because like cj prefaced there's like this additional plot added from the live shows that like we can't see so i haven't seen any of the live shows but em while emily's on the simulator of love in the live shows apparently her mad scientist was mega cynthia which is a clone of cynthia who is a clone of pearl mm -hmm. <laughs> but mega cynthia is like meaner and a little closer to actual pearl but she's like I don't know. This, she she looks different. She has like a streak of black in yeah, her hair. She looks like e she looks like eviler. Yeah, she looks eviler. I guess. Does, does that make her a failed clone or a successful? I don't know clone? because well, I think like they describe her as a combination of Cynthia and Pearl. That's why she's Mega Cynthia. <laughs> but like I. Again, I can't really elaborate too much on this because this is like live show lore that I That's do not have the best. access to. However, they did tie in some of this stuff to season season 13, mm -hmm. the most recent season. So, <laughs> I guess going <laughs> off of that. So, the end of season the first season of the Netflix series, um everyone is at Kinga and Jonah's wedding, but Max sabotages it by having like a creature he made come in and eat Jonah. Yeah, it's like a robotic. It's like serpent. a robot serpent. It looks like I said it looks like Beetlejuice in a way. 
Like he got Beetlejuice, he got eaten by a giant snake. Yeah. But it's a robot. Okay. Um, and that's how that season ends. And <laughs> season twelve, um, Jonah literally just like comes into the satellite of love and is like, "Oh my god, guys, I'm back!" And the bots are like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "It's me, Jonah. Don't you want to hear about?" How I I escaped the the robot snake and I had this huge battle with it in space and they're like, no, whatever. So it's not really covered, <laughs> but Jonah's back in season twelve. He did not die, and uh, Kinga just kind of continues what she was doing, but is like, well, the wedding didn't work out, but we can still try to make a profit. Mm-hmm. So she kind of just continues the same the same as what she was doing just goes back to the formula again to end season 12 i can't even imagine following a war formula you know (laughs) bi-weekly and just not getting the traction but you just keep on plugging away at it that sounds rough listen we, we, we should have more here. invention exchanges, really. We should. Well, Fran likes it when we do quizzes. <laughs> Fran, okay, Fran we should have more host segments. Um, well, so, so season 13 yeah. is the most recent. That was crowdfunded and is now host by their brand new company, um, which I think is called Gizmoplex. Um, the, that. Wait, in the real world? In the real world. In the real world, it's called Satellite of Love LLC. Okay. Um, but the Gizmoplex, <laughs> the Gizmoplex <laughs> is the web portal to get it's all their stuff. So, okay. like, just the the difficulty of like weaving through the made up <laughs> names that we they use in real life, and for the made up businesses within their fantasy world, and then the regular things in their fantasy world. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, who would do that? Who would ever do that? <laughs> who would make a company named loosely off of the content that they create? <laughs> um, well, in in season thirteen, at the end of season twelve, um, they like everything was destroyed again. Um, the Moon Thirteen base was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, however, season three opens that. Kinga has rebuilt her moon base and now it's just moon one and she's up in the world she has changed to um she is kind of doing the same thing except on a different in a diff slightly different way it's not really that different she has built a movie theater on the moon called the gizmoplex and it's the first of its kind it has a big dome on it called the the kinga dome and She's trying to make profit off of that. But the same old thing of you guys need to watch these movies and be funny riffing off them mm-hmm. so I can make money off of you guys doing it's this. It's basically a big streamer house. So yes, she's basically created a streamer house. Um, but now, so now Jonah is there. But also. But also Emily is there. In the simulator in the of simulator love. simulator of love. And but she's in the show now so this is yes. not this has gone from live show lore to the actual show and then as the season progresses they have a big season finale time when well it's not the before the season finale yeah but like leading up to it they have joel come back 
Um, he is older now because he has aged in the real world. <laughs> in the world. real world. <laughs> um, wow. wow. But he, uh, so he is, uh, he's kind of the catalyst for some of the changes on the show as well. Like he changes Crow's vocal box or whatever. Like previously in the show, whenever they would get a new puppeteer, um, it, it would be canonized by Joel like, updating one of the robots or or like downloading a new personality for them or whatever um he does a similar thing in the show where he that's when he like changes crow to have a new voice um for a while he resets tom servo to his his default state and then he gets his original voice actor back for a little while um playing tom servo um he said he's just like from the future, right? Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so in season thirteen, uh, Pearl does briefly come to hang out with Kinga for real. So not just her clone self, Cynthia, um, but Pearl. But Cynthia's also there. Cynthia is just also there. Um, Pearl has a time bag which is like a giant bag that you can travel through time in. And they, uh, f- citing for ratings reasons, um, King is like, I got a big surprise. I got a third host and I had a familiar face go into the time bag and pluck us one of the original hosts. And the fam- the familiar face that goes into the time bag is Dr. Earhart. So the original sidekick to Dr. Forrester. He's returned. He's he- returned. He's been found. He's been found. Wow. He said that he wasn't missing. He just went on a journey of self-discovery. And he and discovered he, he would now still he like to be an evil he, mad scientist. He reveals a lot of weird things that, like... <laughs> are not touched on again like um the fact that dr forrester willed him his spaceship so dr Earhart is on the spaceship that belonged to dr forrester and he also apparently is trying to fulfill dr forrester's last wish of spreading his remains on mirth which is obviously the planet between Mars and Earth. Mirth. <laughs> right. That one. <laughs> that one. Yeah. And he apparently had, they were being stored at G- Gizmonic Institute, as was somehow TV's, TV Frank, even though TV Frank ascended completely and it didn't seem like anything was left of him. Somehow he has remains of TV Frank and Dr. Forrester when he co- appears again and he's like, I'm carrying out their last wishes of spreading their remains on mirth this is just a detail that he brings up that is not covered again yeah but he's just bringing back he, all yeah. the old he, he's doing that and then he also brings joel and he's like here you go here's what you asked for king i have one of the old hosts and joel says he does not have his robots with him because they were out for a spacewalk quote unquote when he was kidnapped by Dr. Earhart. And Joel also says that he is from 
another version of the future in which she never left the satellite of love. So he's canonically from the year 3000. Right. Okay. This is all, again, just kind of said as, like, details of what's going on, so... But then, as as the show goes on, they are all attempting to escape their different satellites of Joel, love. Yeah, Joel officially, like, joins as a host for some episodes then, which is really fun, but they have to give him Emily's versions of the bots from the simulator of love. So that's why... They like they like kidnap Emily's bots and put them on Joel's satellite of love, which is different from oh their God. other satellite of love where Jonah is on because this one is from the far future and it's also like the original set, which yeah. is kind of yeah. cute. Right, because the set gets updated every time they get. Um, well, it was just updated really in the. But new they have Netflix to give series. him. They have to give him Emily's bots, and that's when they do what CJ was talking about that Joel's like, oh, hey, let me update your voices for you. And they get in some the original actors as well to be there with Joel, which so, is cute. Yeah, but it's, it's really, really funny <laughs> for them to go to all and, of this like lore yeah. explanation. <laughs> and so this is this is all a big setup because each of the hosts are trying to escape their satellites of love at this point. Um, and so together. They, together now they realize that they can all work together to because they all have a different expertise and they are going to work together so that they can all escape and so they convince Kinga that the best thing for them to do is for all three of them to host an episode all at the same time so in the season finale for the most recent season all three of the the hosts um well excluding Mike, but all of the hosts that they've that they've had now um, all just do an episode together and it's just the three of them in the movie theater instead of one of them with two robots and it's really cute and it's a it's a very good episode and it's about a it's a movie called The Christmas Dragon. It's very good. <laughs> it's it's, it's really probably the music. most recent movie that they ha- have done because it looks really, really the recently made. The production value is so high, and all of their hair is so, so styled. Bad. And it like is trying to be the Lord of the Rings, but, like it's Narnia. About, but it's about finding Santa Claus, who's like a warlock. It's pretty. Uh, it's a good episode. It's, yeah, it's a very good go episode. Out, go genuinely, out and watch that episode, <laughs> uh, and then you will. Uh, under- that sounds amazing. They have and a Jack Sparrow ripoff. Bits, when they do all the host bits, you will know what they are talking about because now you know all the lore there is to know about <laughs> Another, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Real quick, the reason they are so. They are able to escape. So season 13 has ended with they did escape. Um, They leave the robots. Um, Apparently they're like are talking about how they have to say goodbye to the bots. And um, they are communicating to each other. Because like Kinga sees everything because she is like there in the, the cam bot communication. Yeah. So they but they just like talk to each other in rhyme about their plan to escape and apparently the forester line with the exception of pearl cannot understand people speaking in rhyme and prose <laughs> so whenever they're ex- 
they're explaining how they're going to escape each other and the way they got around the fact that they're talking to Cambot, who is monitored you know, monitoring by everywhere as they were just speaking in, in rhyme. And then King is like, I don't even know what you guys are saying. <laughs> well, so they, they do escape and they escape like with Pearl's aforementioned time bag and Pearl helps them for like, again, just kind of like whatever she doesn't. <laughs> Pearl's very, I just all I over the place. My granddaughter. <laughs> She's yeah, chaotic. Pearl's so all over the place. She's truly like chaotic neutral <laughs> in a way, <laughs> but that's how we leave season 13, which is the most recent season of which Mystery is, Science which Theater. Which is all we've got so which far. Which probably, I bet, won't be the last. I mean, I hope is not the last, to be honest. I would be pretty surprised I mean, if it was as over. L- as long as someone's out there making shit movies, there will <laughs> they be... They will be there the- yeah. to riff on them. Uh. And they'll have to keep making nonsense additions to their lore as they go. It's very good. When when CJ described, he was like, "We're gonna do Mystery Science Theater three thousand this week." It's just there's just kind of lore in between the movie stuff. It won't be very long. It won't be that much. It's fine. He he were wrong. No, that wasn't that much. But you know what? It is just enough for today because we are at the end of the episode. We want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us yet again. Uh, we. I mean, I drew a great deal of inspiration from Mystery Science Theater 3000 for when I was a kid, and it is a show that does mean a lot to me, so I'm glad we got to talk about it. It was a lot of fun. If you have never seen it, you should definitely check it out. It is, there's some episodes on YouTube for free, and also you can watch it on the Pluto TV streaming service, which is also free. You just have to download the app. They have a uh, 24-7 channel that just plays Mystery Science Theater, including <laughs> yeah. the most recent season, yeah, season which 13, how we saw it. which is how we've seen it. Um, yeah, we've been falling asleep to it a lot. It's a good show. To it's, just a good, it's a good show to, to put on and chill and maybe fall asleep. Um, but uh, And you can do that with this show. Hey, I'm not going <laughs> to oh. tell you how to consume media. Throw it on in the background. I'll I'll make sure to not put any explosion sounds in the outro. Wink. <laughs> uh, None of us will ascend into second banana heaven. No, because we're all first bananas, just like you guys. Um, we of course want to thank Gailstorm Kitsune for doing the artwork for our channel, and we want to thank Apajo for doing the intro and outro music to the show. Make sure check us out on YouTube if you're already at YouTube. Give us a thumbs up. Put a comment down there. Little, little, little virtual smooch. Uh, you know, rate us highly. Tell your friends. You know, spread the tapes. That's what they say. And <laughs> don't stop circling the tapes. That's that's how it. That's how it goes. Um, geez, I don't have anything else yet, guys. Do you, do you, do you guys do you guys want to sign off? You guys want to do that? I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I'm getting from this is that we need to develop our own shtick. That explains why we consume terrible media and then explain it to people. Well, hey, it's not terrible. It's for the, the, <laughs> some, I, sometime, the song, you know how, sometimes terrible media. You know this how they not, end? But if I have to do another BioWatch check, oh my God. If they release that <laughs> stupid fucking Judas game and we're supposed to. No, I don't want to do that. You know how they end every episode I'm, is. Well, initially it was push the button, Frank. Mm-hmm. And now it's push the button, Max. 
Yep. So one of us just needs to push the button. Well, the the show. it won't be me because I've been CJ. Oh, I've been Ethan. And I've been Liz. TV's internet. And I've Liz. been internet's lizard X lizard. Oh my oh, gosh. Push, push, push the button, push the Liz. Button, lizard X lizard.